Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This message comes from Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Gouge away, I say. It's one more thing. Armstrong and Getty. One more thing. This is about the egg prices, right? The, the, the gouging with eggs, yes. Like yes. The price price gouging, not like yeah. you take you an egg. You can't gouge and, somebody with an egg. You take an egg and try to take out their eye. No. That's not what I'm talking work. about. It's no. just confusing. Ow, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, speaking of, of, of eggs, when the... Uh, sperm of college debt fertilizes the egg of discontent. Then the child of something or others. I should have worked on this in advance. You know, we were talking <laughs> earlier during uh, College's Woke 101, a brand new feature. Um, uh, one of the, the problems with college these days is like barely one in five people graduate and think, yeah, that was worth it. Barely one in five, which is crazy. And there was some woke stuff in there, too. But the point of the article, the uh, the title of the article by uh, Joel Kotkin in National Review is the most dangerous class. And he's talking about the fact that you have hundreds of thousands of people cranked out of college, useless degree, a lot of debt in some cases, no more employable than if they'd wandered out of high school and gotten a job installing air conditioners or something like that, which is absolutely honorable work. Um, and and he's thinking that this giant class of people who increase, increasingly turn to socialism, by the way, for why they they don't have a happy life and how they ought to have it. Um, but he thinks when you look at political history, this is a class of people that's absolutely ripe for militancy the young proto proto proletariats mm. and how um how they'll start demanding universal 
basic income. They're very soft on socialism, um, the saw, youthful progressive left. And I saw Joe Biden froze the whole uh, uh, pay back your student loans thing again for another couple of months because um, the time was up. You're going to have to finally pay your student loans that you've been putting off through the whole pandemic, but they're going to let that continue for a while. That's that crowd they're talking about. Yeah, and he throws in the the so-called anti-work lifestyle, or what's the other name for it you brought up? Oh, that's the Reddit Reddit thread. Was it anti-work? Well, it's anti-hustle society, or what do they call it? That's part of it, yeah, the hustle society and how wrong that is. Yeah, and then uh, let's see where there was one other phrase. Uh, oh no, no, they the, the author threw in the fact that housing is now brutally expensive um, for young people, and so you've got this stew of discontent and debt and no future and the rest of it, and 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 don't look at the uh, stained-handed uh, proletariat factory workers who are going to be the engine of of uh, harsh and radical political change. It's going to be the soft-handed, unhappy in the uh, uh, the cubicle, over-educated, underpaid crowd. So I thought that was interesting. And they're, they can't afford eggs, he says. Um, uh, while you were talking there, I looked up, yeah, it's the, the Reddit thread, if you've never looked at this, is uh, anti-work. And they have... Two almost two million idlers, they're called, who uh, who are on the anti-work thread. One point eight four seven million idlers on there. Um, wow, and uh, it's it's promoting the whole. We shouldn't have to work. Working is for suckers. Lifestyle thing. It's. Uh, it's wild. If you've, if you've never checked it out, it's pretty damned wild. I mean, you'll read so many things from, I don't know how you get to be this age. Like, did you not have any parents at all that ever described to you, even in the most basic way, about having to, like, provide for yourself and why that's necessary? That there's, there's no way society can just provide everybody everything? Where would, it, where would the money come from? Right, right. You know, if I was a more ambitious fellow, I would write a book about how societies go from uh, the ideas that are accepted in a society go from the essential I mean, if you were a, a society that's barely feeding itself, really the only things you think about are, you know, food and, and medicine and staying alive, protecting yourselves. Maybe you spare a little time for worshiping God as you see uh, a God. Um, but other than that, it's absolutely the most bone essential stuff. And then, the, you know, things get a little broader and more varied to the point that you're like a fat, happy, decadent society. And there are ideas that are just freaking fruit loops. That people throw around like I shouldn't be required to work at all. And if you were to go back to that close to the bone society, they would just stare at you wide eyed and slack jawed thinking, how can you even entertain that notion? Where will you get food? Society should give it to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a thing. I hope it's not catching on like you were just implying there and that we've got a revolution brewing. But anyway. Uh, slightly different topic. Uh, we had this story about how this grocery chain is getting fined $175,000 for price gouging during the pandemic, raise, raising the prices of eggs in particular. Hundreds of thousands of cartons of eggs that were marked up by more than 10%. Somehow the government decided you didn't need to do that and you were price gouging and so now you're being penalized. Um, I, uh, I had... 
I just heard as a young man that price gouging is bad and in emergencies you shouldn't do that and kind of just went with that without any critical thinking, stupidly, my whole life. Until I came across uh, a guy from Reason, I believe, a libertarian from Reason, explaining why, no, price gouging is good. It's exactly what should happen in the free market. And he completely convinced me of that. And uh, I don't know if it would apply to this egg thing in the pandemic. But where you usually hear it is in uh, various natural disasters. Like you get a hurricane hit Louisiana and you're not allowed to, at the Home Depot, charge more for plywood than you would normally. Or it's considered... Or, 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 or uh, chainsaws and generators are often the... Uh, good examples. The example, too. Yeah. And uh, and so you're not allowed to charge more than you normally would. And guess what? Uh, they sell out very quickly and there are none. And nobody's going to bring in more because there's no profit in it. You're not allowed to charge any more than normal. Whereas if you allowed price gouging... If there were a hurricane, were or was? If there was a hurricane, is it were or was? I think was. If there was yeah. a hurricane bearing down on Louisiana. I think either one will do. There's a damn hurricane bearing down. Don't worry about now it. Now is not the time for minor grammar problems. Right? It's a hurricane about to obliterate Louisiana. And so if you had plywood and price gouging was allowed... You'd think, I'm going to get this plywood to Louisiana where I can charge enough for it that it makes it worth me shipping it there. And over time, that would happen often enough that an equilibrium of prices would get established of what plywood should cost. You, as the person who needs plywood to put on your house so your windows don't get blown out, could find it because enough is being supplied from around the country. The price would be enough that people who sold plywood, it would be profitable for them, and it would all work out. Doesn't that make perfectly good sense? Well, and you could make the argument in the initial phase of it, which would be very, very short. People who wanted it the most would pay for it and get it. Now you could say, well, the rich would get it, but that's not always true. And besides, that second part is much more important. How about nobody gets it the way we do it now? You run out of it almost immediately, and there's no incentive for uh, plywood manufacturers to get more plywood there because they can't charge any more for that than they can where they're not getting a hurricane. Well, right. And in particular, there are difficulties getting it to the market in the hurricane zone. So you have to charge more. Right. And everybody wins. Now, I don't know if you could apply that. I'm not uh, I haven't thought about this enough to uh, how you could apply that during the pandemic and the eggs and the could could eggs have come in from somewhere else to I don't know. Well, the chickens will try harder. They'll squeeze out more eggs. They recognize it's a crisis. and They want to do their part. I mean, well, I don't the, know. The gouging, so much... the, to, I'd like to know. It's funny how uh, we're always talking about how the left is better at naming things and it always sticks and everybody runs with it. Whoever came up with gouging originally, nice job by, you know, making it sound like because gouging is a bad word. That's a bad thing to do as opposed to raising prices to meet demand. You mean demand is sky high. I don't know if you've ever seen the whole supply demand thing is I have this supply and demand is sky high. So I'm going to raise prices to where that line, those lines cross. But right. they called it gouging. Well, and, and more people, I mean, more people, more uh, egg companies will, uh, you know, press chickens into duty or draft them. I don't know exactly. See, I don't know enough put about on, the egg industry to some, understand. Put on some sexy music there in the hen house and just uh, <laughs> let, let nature take, take its course. I don't know much about the flexibility of the egg industry, but I, I, the, the, the point remains you have to let supply and demand float. Because they take care of each other. They, they self-correct the problem. And if, 
if the egg manufacturers of the world, the egg companies of the world, can get X amount for a dozen eggs, there are protein alternatives for consumers. They don't have to buy eggs. Maybe they'd like to buy the eggs, but they don't have to. And it takes care of itself. Just give it a little bit of time. But can you imagine the products would show up in various areas of the country when a hurricane was bearing down if you could charge what you wanted to charge? There'd be plenty of everything. And the price would come down almost immediately. Yeah. And it would reach a point where it was worth it for the water supplier to get bottled water there. And it was worth it for you to buy it. Or at least you'd have some. That's the whole point. You'd have some. Right now, you always run out because they can't charge more. Anyway, um, poor chickens during a crisis. Favorite kind of eggs? Favorite uh, preparation of eggs? I found out my brother, who I'm uh, very close to, he's a fabulous fella. He he won't eat eggs. He doesn't like eggs. I won't eat eggs. And he says, he yeah, says I realize you've it's never, weird. But, you've yeah. never had an egg, right? I did as a, probably a small kid or baby, but yeah, that's it. And your brother doesn't eat it. Did, did you remember your brother eating eggs as a kid? No, my brother no. eats eggs. No, I, 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 oh, I'm sorry. My brother. Yeah. Yeah. Your brother ain't, you don't enter into it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, I have no memory of that whatsoever, but I was almost seven years older than him, so oh. I didn't particularly care what he ate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Anyway, my favorite preparation. Uh, can you count eggs, eggs Benedict? Sure. If, I'm, not, if yeah. I'm in a restaurant, I regularly order what that. What am I, a fascist? If that's the way you want to meet them, then. But way. in terms of like having eggs at home, I went through a poached phase where I had like uh-huh. the whatever pan, or I don't even remember how you poach an egg. I used to do it. It's funny. I used to do it when I was like a single, poor bachelor dude. I had some way of poaching an egg, however you poach an egg, because I went through a kick for a while. But I'm it still. It involves floating in uh, boiling water briefly, doesn't it? I don't even Something remember. Like and I used to do it all the time. Uh, I, uh, I, to me, like an over easy egg on a piece of toast with some salt and pepper is about as freaking good as it gets. I would eat. See, that's, that's my answer as well. 50 Love of it. those right now. Oh yeah. A couple oh. of slabs of bacon. It'd be nice. A couple oh, of strips of bacon. Some orange juice. And then I'm going to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a perfect morning. I haven't had a morning like that in at least 15 years, but I would, uh, I would love to do that. Wow, maybe for your birthday. We'll set that up. <laughs> Probably not, but maybe. So I, I think that you may be over-egging the pudding that's, a bit. That's my favorite preparation of eggs. Over-egg pudding. I just got these pudding. pancakes from a restaurant called uh, Pancakes, Eggs, etc. It's that right, play man? on words. Ah, I play on words. That. Didn't catch that at first. Well, I guess that's it. Keep f***ing that chicken. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. That's, you might want to cut that out, Hans. <laughs>